0: All right. Welcome everyone to another episode of my show. If you're seeing this, then you're watching it on YouTube, I guess. And if you're just hearing it, then you're listening to it as a podcast. And my guest today is A. Will Brown. Is that correct? Oh hmm That's wait. right. Okay. Um, and, and what is my name? That's an interesting question. I was actually... I was gonna introduce myself, but I'm like, I keep trying to come up with a new name. And even on the walk just now, I was like, you know what? I've been thinking I wanna change my name to Spark. And then I was like, no, maybe I should make my name Spotlight. Cause then I want a name that would naturally segue into a show like, oh, welcome to the, the Spotlight with A. Will Brown or welcome to Spark Conversation or something. Uh, but for huh. now, my show, my show is called Celebrity Josh. Um, Cause I'm joshing around with celebrities. And I'm Josh, and I'm a celebrity, and all of that. Um, what is the? Well, here a quick introduction to yourself, so then people can decide: Oh, do I do I want to listen to this or not? Like, what are you in? A, uh, you're into real estate, or and you're a curator?
1: Sure. So I, um, I spent the last. Uh, I'm Chicago based, and I spent the last eight years moving around the country as a contemporary art curator, and um, came to a bit of an impasse in my career, and. I'm remaking myself as someone in the real estate industry. Uh, currently studying for the broker's exam here in Chicago, and um, still pursuing curatorial work with contemporary artists, but um, no longer as my sole professional activity.
0: Okay, cool. I think I don't know if it was my internet that was it was just cutting out at the beginning of that. Um, could uh, could you like just do the the beginning part again? Sorry. Yeah. Sure. Um, I am a well. For the last
1: eight years, I've been a contemporary art curator, working at a couple different institutions, traveling around the country for my job and my career. Um, and I've come to a bit of a transition stage, and I'm working in uh, real estate now, studying for my
0: broker's exam. Okay, so maybe you've your passion is curation, but you're realizing there's not a lot of money in that, and you're looking for a backup plan, or is. is
1: Yeah, of sorts. I mean, I I went and got a master's degree in contemporary art curatorial studies and, you know, did that somewhat um, foolishly after an art history degree in undergraduate and realized after seven or eight years that there's a certain level uh, that I was going to have to get to in order to continue that career and the hurdles and obstacles um, became too much for me. I worked in a couple different museums and it's a passion, but I approached it more as a job, more as a career, more as, you know, nine to five, but of course it's more than a nine to five, but um, it's something I take with me and all my, you know, every day, my kind of skills and thinking around organizing and space and art. But um, yeah, it's no longer uh, my professional aspiration to climb the institutional museum curator ladder.
0: Oh and well first of all I just want to say I can see sort of behind you your apartment looks very well curated. There's a little picture there and a little lamp and uh, and the nice brick inside the fireplace. So has your curating skills sort of curated your apartment would you say?
1: Well in a way um, that's one of the things that brought me to curatorial work from the beginning was that I grew up in a family of artists and I was always interested in organizing space and sort of putting pieces together in a way that I found aesthetically pleasing or interesting. It's hard to do that when, you have, when you're a kid and you have no uh, budget or money or control, you know, you, you sort of put things together as you can. Um, but as I've reflected back in my career on why I spent so much time, you know, in this curatorial world, I realized that I just love putting things together and making a kind of interesting composition um and i'm sort of translating that into real estate and thinking about how i can help people achieve the kind of aesthetic pleasing interesting spaces in their own lives, and own some of those and then they can go ahead and um, use their own way of organizing within those spaces
0: that's interesting so for those of us who don't know including myself what exactly is a curator i guess that i guess that's the kind of person who works in museums, a museum curator. So you, you decide what's going to be in a museum or an art gallery?
1: Yeah. So uh, the more kind of formal approach to curatorial work is someone who works in a museum or an institution who's organizes as exhibitions. Um, so whenever you go to a museum and you see the new Picasso exhibition, that There was one person who was sort of the director, if you will, of that, the lead kind of designer, organizer, um, who did all of the kind of scholarly research and academic work to bring the work together into a kind of uh, narrative, and then um, went about finding and gathering all those works, obviously with the help of many people within the institution, but most Completely, a curator is uh, somebody who makes exhibitions.
0: Hmm, okay. Yeah, okay, so specifically exhibitions, not just like the regular everyday kind of thing at a museum or or something. Or no, I guess that is what museums are, they're exhibitions. Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. Like every gallery you're in, in a museum, think about it like an exhibition, even if it's been there for 40 years and hasn't changed somebody put all those pieces together for a specific set of reasons. Um, and a lot of curators who work at say, a collecting museum like the Met or the MoMA um, or the Art Institute of Chicago um, or the National Gall- Gallery of Canada or the US, they, um, they are not only organize exhibitions, but they go about acquiring objects and works of art to be part of the permanent collection. So. Originally, and this is turning into like a history lesson, but it's, it's important, um, I think, to note that originally the word curate um, really meant to protect and keep and secure an object. So it was really about caretaking. And that's where it led to building collections of objects and artworks. And then it was sort of collections of objects and artworks that were about ideas. And then in more contemporary times, There's lots of institutions that don't have collections, that are um, curators who just organize exhibitions and borrow objects, which is what I was doing for about half of my career, was working at places that didn't have collections. So the word and the idea has really shifted and changed, and contemporary culture has sort of taken a hold of the idea of curating um, and boiled it down to this idea about organizing and presenting things in a certain way that's more likely than not aesthetically pleasing to people um which i think is an interesting compliment and a to the kind of profession but also a, a nice expansion of um a term that was formerly used very in very very mostly elitist circles so i'm glad that curating is has a much broader sense of um of a role in the world now
0: yeah i'm trying to remember where i've specifically heard it used recently but i feel like maybe uh Maybe when I read about minimalism, it's all about, oh, yeah, no, curate your apartment. Like, pick the, oh, isn't isn't maybe Marie Kondo is that kind of thing? It's about sort of picking the specific things in your apartment that that you want there and the other things you can declutter and get rid of. Or, Or maybe if you've got a bunch of old photos, you could curate a few of them to be on display and then move them around, like, at different seasons. Or, yeah, it seems to be all about sort of minimalism and interior design and and making a comfortable home these days it also sounds a bit like like you were indiana jones you know curing gathering (laughs) items around the world did it feel like that at all or no
1: i mean so you could think of indiana jones as a curator because he worked for um well he was a professor right um but he part of his duties were collecting and gathering objects to secure and for safekeeping so and they would go to and who's this it's sean connery plays his father right yeah um and he's also a professor slash they're anthropologist archaeologists anthropologists but um yeah i mean i i was never at the level i wasn't quite at the level yet where i was in charge of a collection um where i would say you know be the one spearheading the research and the finding the specific objects and then going to travel to look at them, make sure they were right and track them down. But I was like, in a, my level at the first institution I worked at in in Providence, Rhode Island, it's called the RISD museum, Rhode Island school of design. Um, we would collect objects from, you know, artists from all over the world. So yeah, there's a sort of finding the thing, making sure it's safe, making sure it's clean and it's in good condition and that, You have to fill out a lot of paperwork, and sometimes you go into an old, um, the most Indiana Jones-ish part was going into the collection at the museum and looking at everything and realizing there were things that people hadn't seen or thought about in, you know, 10 years that had become more interesting because of current developments in culture or because a contemporary artist started making work about, you know, X thing that happened 50 years ago that people hadn't thought about for a long time. So it was fun to dig
0: in oh wow uh, did you see the Ark of the Covenant in there anywhere no <laughs> no oh that's too bad yeah no, and I if uh, I had I would have grabbed it <laughs> or opened it up and then your face would have melted oh well, I guess you'd yeah. if you're evil your face would melt and then if you were good uh it wouldn't um that's all pretty interesting what would you say then if if curating sort of felt like a nine to five but now you're going to real estate like what would be your dream job do you have like you know, if you could choose anything or or use your skills and interests for something, what would that be?
1: Hmm. I think if I could pick just without having to go get another master's degree, um, and forget all the hurdles, right? I I think I would really like, um, a couple things. One is to do some of the things that you do, which is voice acting, um, it would be super fun and interesting and it's something i've sort of always done not in any formal sense but i've always played around with voices and done voices and i'm sure a lot of people say that but um so that's something i would always i would find really interesting and engaging but another is more aligned obviously with what we've been talking about is interior design um my, my partner my wife is we share a lot of the same skills. She works in the business field and in consulting, but we're both really interested in the kind of spaces and design um, and building and architecture. Um, But she has this incredible skill of being able to walk into a room and seeing all of the things that it could be. And um, I am much better at walking into a room and seeing the best possible way to put together all of the elements that are there and add a few others but so i say that to say that i'd love to do this you know interior design thing would be the ideal but um knowing that there's somebody who lives with me who's probably just like head and shoulders better at it so (laughs) it's hard to say i want to do that but um that would be a real strong
0: interest well i could see you two doing like a like a husband-wife team kind of thing. Like, you know, you, she comes in and she's got her interior design sense, but you're like a museum curator. So now you're bringing that that skill that all the regular interior designers wouldn't have. That would sound kind of posh to say, oh, you know, I'm actually making my place like a museum. Because uh, I was looking up online, I don't know, the past few years, I, I, I was always liking interior design and I was always trying to decide on what couch to buy and stuff. And, uh, and I was trying to find like a little class online. Like, is there just something i could do like a weekend class or some mini course so i would know okay there's here's how you pick a couch and here's how you arrange the carpet but it didn't seem like there was anything everything seemed like it was going to be a four-year college course and all this stuff um that's that's a side tangent but yeah i could also see because i was going to ask you earlier like would you ever want to do like youtubing and say you know maybe a, a regular show where you just talk about items like Antiques Roadshow or something, you're like, oh, here, I'm curating, and today I'm talking about this, and how will you know if this is worth something? But maybe you could pitch a reality TV show or one of those, you know, home network kind of things with your wife, where you go into places, and 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 she's the one who uh, says what we should bring in, and you're like, oh, here, but here's what we can do what's already there. Anyways, just some little ideas, and then, because you're also going into real estate as well, and they're always looking for um, personable real estate agents for all these real estate shows, so who knows? Maybe there's a way to combine it all into some YouTube empire or TV empire.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that would be super fun. It's a little um, part of the reason why I am transitioning out of the curatorial field is because I'm not the most um, me-first. Not to say that people who have shows are, but I'm not necessarily good at demanding space for myself and my ideas mm-hmm. or seeking it out. Um, but I think it could be really interesting to share the way I see the world aesthetically, interiors, exteriors, art, design, um, and find a way to present that publicly. It seems pretty daunting, but and there's a million people out there who are super good at that, at, at the technical stuff, the non-technical stuff, but also have like, I mean, you check out some of these lifestyle Instagram. Um, accounts and you're like that's exceptionally beautiful how could I even compete but I guess part of it is just going out there doing it putting out there your best possible presentation and seeing what happens
0: yeah yeah I'm in these Facebook groups all about you know motivation and entrepreneurship and being creative and the the main issue everybody has is imposter syndrome it's like oh other people are better other people are doing it why would I be qualified to do this at all kind of thing but I think especially with creative stuff nobody is better per se than somebody else's is different so everybody's got their own style uh so whatever you're bringing to the table um is different than what other people have it's all based on your own experiences and your own tastes and stuff and so people some people might like you some people might like other people and also there's enough there's a big enough world for everyone like even if there was a better interior designer they don't have time to do every single person in the world's house so uh, everybody needs someone else and yeah I think it's important just to get your creativity out there and if people like it and they're drawn to it they'll they will and if they don't if it's not their cup of tea then they won't have to look at it and also even if people are putting out things and it's not perfect or whatever I think that encourages other people to do it because they say hey you know what they're they're doing it and and they're pushing past their fears and maybe it's not the perfect thing but if they're doing it then I can do my art too so I think there's always nothing but goodness that can come from just putting yourself out there and seeing what comes of it. But I think that's also a sign of intelligence when, when people are like, "Oh, maybe I'm not good enough. I don't know. There's other people like you recognize that what your, your flaws are or what maybe you haven't, you know, achieved your perfect uh, level of things, but uh, that's the problem. Cause then the people who think, Oh, I'm perfect. I'm great. I'm whatever. They're the ones who have the confidence to go out and do it. So. I think they, yeah,
1: those are the they get the most attention often, and yeah, perhaps the most attention isn't the best attention. Um, yeah. But how how did you get started in this? Uh, I mean, you seem to occupy many different roles um, that I assume are yeah. all interests or passions. And how how did you begin down some of these roads?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've always loved. Uh being creative. Even when I was five, I wrote a couple of stories about an aunt that wanted to make friends and I drew the pictures. And uh, and then, yeah, I got into fine arts at a couple of universities, but I decided to just uh, do a general education at a liberal arts college and wound up majoring in psych. And then afterwards, my mom found uh, an article about a copywriting program at a college. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. You know, I think on the tv show 30 something people were working at an ad agency and they were playing basketball in the office and stuff i'm like that looks fun um so i took copywriting for a year and then i wound up working in advertising uh and at the same time okay we're back yeah that was super weird it just it's it just ended and said so ended the call it went would you like to schedule another call it's almost like we had booked a 20-minute call and then it was over and mm-hmm. skype decided that was it that's totally, <laughs> to, totally weird. Maybe, uh, who owns Skype? Let's see, Microsoft owns Skype now, I think, or something. So Bill Gates, what's he up to? Is he watching all the calls and going, yeah, you know what, I've had enough of this? Or maybe he was like, you know what, I've heard enough of, I, I, you know, I wanted to hear what A. Will Brown is up to, and I've I've heard what Josh is up to, and I'm not interested in that anymore. Um, but anyways, I'll just continue. Uh, you were yeah, saying you yeah. took a copywriting course, right? Yeah, so I, I got into advertising. And then at the same time, I'd always been interested in other stuff. I was taking, I started doing uh, stand-up comedy nights when I was in university and taking uh, Second City Improv classes. And somebody in university showed me how to play guitar a little bit. And I've always liked drawing. Um, So I was just always working on that. And I occasionally uh, would try to contact people in the radio business and then send them, or I made a little demo tape of me asking some questions of people in a mall or... uh, I should have pursued radio more, I think. Um, If I could go back, I would have... I don't even know if this existed then, but it must have, like a a college radio course instead of copywriting. It didn't occur to me that there was... And then if I could go back also, I would have just packed up and gone to LA and done stand-up every night of the week and not been like, oh, no, I have to have a job. I've got to work a job and make money and, you know, because money comes and goes, but your time doesn't come back. Um, But, uh, yeah, and then at the same time, I acted in a couple of radio commercials that I wrote when I was first working in Ottawa. And then I had a little cassette tape that I mailed around to all the talent agencies and wound up sort of doing voice acting occasionally. Uh, And that's it. And then I left my copywriting job five years ago. I'm like, I want to be free to travel because now I can do my work from anywhere. I can do it on a laptop. And then I sold my condo last summer so I could be even more free to travel. And now, of course, with the pandemic, there's no traveling at all. Unfortunately, uh, mm. fortunately, we have the internet because I've actually been saying for years I should start interviewing people over Skype over webcam because then I could interview people anywhere in the world. Uh, and so, finally, I've started doing that the past couple of weeks. So, so I'm liking that, and I'm hoping this—I don't know—it could be some kind of maybe. Well, maybe it's just it is what it is. People enjoy the interviews, and it becomes popular, like Mark Marin's podcast or. Uh, Joe Rogan just interviews different interesting people every day. But if I could have my perfect life, I would be doing something. I mean, I, I would love a talk show like Jimmy Kimmel, where you get to interview celebrities and also do some stand-up. Um, and then, uh, but I'd also like to be Larry David, sort of write a TV show where I play a, a goofy version of myself, but also doing stand-up at the same time. And Mark Maron's kind of doing that. He does his podcast, but then tours around doing stand-up, and so does Joe Rogan. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. I mean, it's all, uh, things change all the time too. Like TikTok is the big thing now and that wasn't around until recently. Um, it used to be like when Seinfeld was starting, like you do stand up in clubs and then, you know, if you can get a, a spot on the tonight show, that's your big break. And then you ride that forever and then maybe you get a sitcom, but now there's YouTube and stuff and people can build their own career online. Uh, And in fact, during the pandemic, that's the only way to do it, because nobody can go anywhere. And even Jimmy Kimmel is interviewing people over Skype. So I think uh, I just actually saw a a little post on an entrepreneur Instagram thing uh, just a half an hour ago. And it was like, five things to quit doing now. It's this guy, Paul, at Paul. I don't know why, who he is, but he's got a million followers. And it said, five things to stop doing now. And one of them was, uh, you know, living in the past. And. Uh, what else was it, thinking negative, and um, I'd have to check it. But yeah, so there's no point in living in the past. You just got to keep uh, working on, on new things and see what happens. So yeah, I, I would like to, I just regret, I guess, not going full full hog on the comedy and, and that kind of stuff for a long time. But
1: mm-hmm. it, it,
0: it was tougher before the internet. Like I had a VHS tape that I, I guess sometimes I would film I don't know what it was even on there, but maybe I'd film something and then try to submit it for TV Ontario's kid show host things. And, but there wasn't the, uh, although YouTube's been around for 15 years, so there's not really an excuse for why I still haven't uh, become famous. A friend of mine uh, in university, I remember he told, I think it was at a pub or something. He told me once, he's like, you know what? I think you're destined for posthumous fame. People won't get you in your lifetime, but after you die, they'll be like, oh, wow. He was really interesting, creative and stuff that still sticks in my head i'm like i don't want him to be right <laughs> so i yeah. feel like it
1: yeah um, it's nice to be it's nice to be appreciated for the things you work at try hard at are good at are interested in while you're around
0: yeah people keep saying oh it's about your legacy and how will you be remembered i don't care how i'll be remembered like that doesn't <laughs> affect me at all right. <laughs> i don't i don't, I don't want to be like van gogh where afterwards everybody's like oh wow he was so great or whatever it's like that doesn't doesn't help me um it's sort of like it's
1: the reverse to the people who are like only care about how they're going to be remembered often are not often but in many um historic cases are ho- horrible people who are so concerned and a hundred you now people are going to remember me because of this but day to day what's the point if you're awful and people don't like you
0: Right, right. All the, you know, like a great dictator is like, I want to be remembered. I want statues. It's like, okay, but you got to be nice to people now. Um, Yes, it's, it's something I keep seeing all, I got to get off Instagram, but there's all these little bits of wisdom. Like there's no past and there's no future. All we have is the exact moment, but then other people saying, but you're never in the moment. By the time you're sort of aware of the moment, it's already passed. It's all very complicated. It's like if you're a centipede or a caterpillar and you start trying to think of like, which leg is walking first, you'll just be paralyzed. You just got to not think about this kind of stuff and, and, and just do it. And then, yeah, and that's the other thing I've been realizing. It's like, oh, I just want to travel around or whatever, but like, oh, now I'm wishing I'd had kids and a wife and stuff 20 years ago. So I'm glad you've got a partner and especially one that you can be creative with. Uh, you know, I think that that would be very cool to have somebody at least with sort of similar interests that you can sort of compare notes or maybe work on things together or discuss things. I think it would be tougher to, to be with someone who doesn't share your interests at all. Cause then I don't, I, I think that would be lonely. I don't, I don't know. I think it'd be cool yeah, to be like a yeah. power couple. Um,
1: yeah. Just... It's fun to have a, a, a person, have your partner be someone who understands the kind of, aesthetic things that you deeply value and also values them. and we do get in these little like no the picture should go three inches that way or three inches this way or the plant should go there and if it doesn't go there it's wrong but we usually um we both are fall prey to that but we usually figure it out without too
0: much hassle oh that's true i was yeah i should have realized that that would be crazy that because I, I would think I've never lived with anyone, but I imagine it would be tough enough for two regular people to be like, okay, you know, whose furniture are we using, or what are we doing? But if you're both really into interior design, it could be fun in a way. But it could be maybe you have to assign each other or you know individual rooms. Like, listen, that's your room, this is my room, and, and then somehow you compromise on the living room or or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, we're, we're lucky that
1: we mo- we like most of the same
0: things generally. What what city are you in?
1: We live in Chicago, but um, for the last... so We've been here for almost a year, and three years before that, we were in Cleveland, and the three years before that, um, we were in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay. How did, three, how did... three years before that, I was in Oakland, California, and the three years... Four years before that, I was in Baltimore, and the 20 years before that, I was in philadelphia
0: oh wow so you've been you've been everywhere that's Mm -hmm. kind of cool too i've just been sort of bumping between toronto and ottawa i've never taken the leap i mean it's harder i guess if you don't have a visa to move somewhere but um but i could technically be living in the states i guess and just doing my stuff online and i never never did it and then finally i started traveling at the the beginning of march i went to a podcast festival in um in Orlando. And then I'm like, oh, I went to down to Tampa for a bit and then in Miami for a night. And then the pandemic was kidding. I'm like, I got to get out of here. But but I was chatting with a woman on Facebook today who she's somehow in real estate in uh, in Orlando. And she says, hey, you could come sit by the pool and promote Orlando Dream real estate project or something from the pool. And I said, what's your website? She's like, I'm still working on my website, so I don't know what her business is. But uh, I always thought it'd be interesting to live in Celebration, Florida, this perfect little village that Walt Disney Built or whatever. Um, what are you going to be like a real estate agent then, or what? What is it in in real estate that you're doing?
1: Yeah, I um, I was interested initially in all of the kind of aesthetic parts of real estate, like design and staging houses, and um, then realized I should just get a broker's license as a kind of through line, and then can decide how to take that from there. But I'm taking my broker's exam. On Monday Um, so I'll start as a real estate agent and then um, see you know what how I like it what I like about it what if I want to you can work in an office you can work independently you can um, use that in a lot of different ways I could go and start doing appraisals if I wanted to you have to get a different certification but um, it's sort of it's a very broad field obviously but it's one that has the more work you put in there's a strong correlation to actually getting compensated um, which is not necessarily true in my uh, past life mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm excited to be doing something where there's um, A, I'm helping people buy and sell homes and live in places that they want to live in um, and B, that I can have access to look at and be in a lot of different houses and spaces, but also to be for the first time in a field where my time, um, and
0: hard work is sort of compensated a little more fairly. Hmm. Yeah. I imagine it's sometimes in sort of corporate positions or whatever. It's almost the more work you do, people get mad because then you're making them look bad or, or, or if it's, Salary position, yeah, you could work your butt off, but you're not getting paid any more than you were. So it, it's it's kind of like socialism. You're like, well, why would I work hard then? Uh,
1: well, and the curatorial, the um, curatorial work is notoriously poorly paid, uh, in part or large part from the historic precedent that those who could afford to be curators were people who were already wealthy. So when the kind of jobs started to be formed when those roles in the early 20th century, it was people who already had collections or were um, basically wealthy patrons of institutions who had a lot of deep knowledge about art and art history, but, you know, didn't need to get paid very much to to work a full-time or more job. So that that's carried over in a lot of ways. And people who have advanced degrees um, are really underpaid and under compensated in a way that I, it's it was detrimental to me, but for many people, I think it's it borders on um, criminal in a way that it's, it's just not sustainable and it's just not fair. And that's part of what drove me away from continuing down that path.
0: Mm. That's too bad. Because, yeah, I've been thinking lately too about how people who go into fields where they're curating items or they know about history or whatever, it's all important, because otherwise, how do we know this stuff? Like, you know, uh, for to uh, teach the history of World War II or the history of Greek art or whatever, so people have to keep learning it and then passing it on. And if it just disappears, nobody knows anything anymore. So it's too bad we we can't compensate it to make it make it viable. Uh, I was thinking... Yeah, I mean, into, like, yeah.
1: It, like teachers, I mean, at least in the States, teachers who teach us, public school here they're paid terribly for the most part and especially young teachers starting out and they have to pay for things like the supplies in their classroom i mean these are the people um who are sh- helping shape the minds of our children for who are going to help shape the world you think we would pay them pretty well and train them in a way that is sustainable for them but no of course not anyway that's a long you were saying you were, gonna, you were thinking about getting into I
0: Yeah. No, I mean, well, teaching, yeah. I was actually thinking of getting into teaching as well. Uh, or, well, it, recently I was like, I wish I had become a teacher. I'm like, that would have been fun. I would have been entertaining to the kids. and Because um, I, I miss school a lot. I miss the, the environment and being around, you know, young minds. And then having the, the teachers as, as colleagues and growing with them. And I don't know. It all... And I'm like, so yeah, there's a lot of paths I start thinking about that I'm like, oh, I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd done that. So I regret that. Um, but then I was, yeah, I was going to say, uh, I'd been thinking recently about, oh, maybe I should go into real estate. Cause I, I interviewed, uh, probably like literally a hundred real estate agents when I was selling my condo last year. Cause I was like, I didn't really understand how, what they did or how it worked. And I'm like, which, which agent would be best. And, um, and so yeah, I sort of learned a lot about what it is they do, and I started thinking maybe I should do this myself because I'm I'm personable. I like to promote myself and do social media. Uh, and then I was talking to a friend actually from that I knew when I was in uh, like public school. That he's now he's a broker. I guess and yeah. So I had to learn that it's what's an agent, and then he's a broker. So then agents can be under him, but he's got his own little brokerage so that he doesn't have anybody under him. It's just him. But he was saying maybe I could take the course and then be under him. Um, but then the, I, I looked into it. And I was like, you know what? It's pretty expensive and it would take a long, I think it was at least 10 months or a year or something of studies. And I was like, maybe that's not the best use of what I do. I started thinking maybe I'd be better off promoting an agent. Like, you know, I actually uh, messaged one real estate agent a couple years ago and I wound up going to an apartment or a condo he was selling and I filmed an interview with him for 10 minutes and he paid me like, what was it, a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks or something? Um, actually, yeah, and no, I, now I remember because my uh, brokerage friend Dallas he told me uh, charge one ninety nine because like under two hundred bucks that's a budget they have usually for for photos for their uh, and that's Canadian dollars, so for you it'd be more like one hundred and fifty or something. Uh, like you know, that's the budget they'd have for photos and whatever, so they wouldn't really blink at that. But you go higher, they might be there. Eh. So yeah, I think I charged one ninety nine, and uh, I thought that was kind of fun. So maybe. Because some agents do their own social media. They're really personal. They're all out there. But others are kind of like, you know, that's not their thing. So they might appreciate me saying, hey, I'm going to come in and make a fun video for your apartment. Uh, But I haven't really pursued that anymore either. Um, I guess almost everything I do now, I start thinking like, is this the best use of my time? Is this this represent what I want to achieve? Like if I became the most famous real estate agent guy in the world, would I be satisfied? And probably not. But I feel like if I did become a big interviewer with a talk show, that would be kind of my dream thing. So that's why I'm trying to put my time, not that it pays me any money yet, but uh, trying to put my time into that for now because that's where I want to be. So it's good. And that would be my advice to, uh, to anyone, I guess, listening would be yeah, figure out where what your dream is and then work towards that. Don't spend 20 years just working at some job because you figure, oh, that's I need a job and I'll work on my other stuff. I mean, you still need money and stuff, but but if there is something you're really passionate about, figure out how to do that from the beginning because uh, you don't want you don't want to live regrets. Do you have advice to uh, people who might want to get into curation or and or real estate and or interior design and or have a wife one day and or live in Chicago? Um, well, before
1: you get into to curatorial work, uh, seriously consider how much time you're going to put into your education, how much money and how much you might get in return. Um, And also seriously consider how competitive the field is. There are very few jobs. Those jobs are very competitive. And people who get them, if they can, tend to stay in them for as long as possible um, in more traditional roles. In more contemporary-focused roles and institutions, you have to, my path as someone who's moved three times for my job, essentially, Um, you have to move kind of every three or four years until you get into a certain level. So if you want to move a lot, see a lot of new things, meet a lot of new people, um, constantly be exposed to new art. And that's a part of your kind of fabric is going out and investigating the new, then it's a fantastic thing to do. Um, But if you're somebody who wants a kind of stable life where you can then pursue your passions, whether it be interviewing people online or going fishing or also making exhibitions, but you kind of need the baseline of stability, it's probably not the best thing for you. Real estate, I'm just beginning. So I don't even know if I will have a license yet as of next week. Um, But so far, it seems like a field that has many, many uses, avenues, applications. And it's one that uh, will most or perpetuity be needed um and be something where there'll be work people are i'm in touch with a couple uh brokers here who are you know i say i'm giving them little updates i've i've gotten this far through my coursework and yada yada yada, and they say cool well deals are still happening so let me know when you're finished so i i don't know um we'll see it, it may last for me it may not but i'm excited about the prospect of something new that is engaged with a lot of the things I'm already interested in. Those are my, those are my advices. Be nice to people. Um, be nice to each other. Wear a mask if you're out in public right now. And um, yeah, I think that's all I got.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's all good advice. What was I going to say? Yeah, in terms of the curator. Yeah, it does seem like, I guess, especially with the traditional curation, that's one of the few jobs or or one of the jobs where, you, the longer you're in it, it's actually maybe a good thing. Like even in advertising, it's like, yeah, I've got knowledge and wisdom, but there's always a new crop of 20 year olds that are cheap and, and hip and whatever. And so, you know, unless you're running your own agency, you're kind of like, Oh, what am I doing? And I guess maybe being a lawyer, you can grow into it kind of thing, but it seems like it'd be cool to be a, an old wise curator and have all, cause you know, you have more knowledge and history. Like that'd be kind of cool. Um, it would be cool to travel around and and find art and stuff. I guess if you had a wife that wanted to do that too, that would be cool. And then real estate. Yeah, I can't remember what I was going to say about that, but I'm sure you'll get your license. Uh, I I, I met a lot of real estate agents that were maybe uh, a lot less... uh, Let's say qualified than you. So uh, it's it, it seems like there's a very low bar to to get into real estate. That's why there's so many real estate agents, and they were all telling me how they're in the top one percent. But I'm like, you can't all be the top one percent. I don't know how any of this works. But and I uh, think the top
1: one percent is changing pretty constantly. It, even if they are, that tomorrow they might not be. You know, it's a weird. It a lot of people rotate in and out of the field, or do it for a year and then are dormant, or sort of do it and. It seems it seems so different from what I'm used to, but in terms of the career, but that's um, I'm looking for something that will allow me to, you know, take a month off and go on a trip when I can go on a trip again and go do something. But
0: yeah, yeah, I That was gonna say. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah. Well, first of all, that reminded me of. Um... Like I listened to a lot to the Ben Shapiro podcast. He's this conservative podcaster, but he talks a lot about the 1%. And he's like, what people don't realize is there isn't, it's it's a fluid thing. It's just a statistical thing. So it's not like there's, you know, 100 people that are the 1% and they never leave. People go into the 1%, they come out, people get rich, they get, they lose money. So it's a fluid thing. It's just, there's always going to be 1% of something that is the top one percent like whatever so first of all and then yeah you know it does seem like a good field for you because it is you control your own destiny you can decide if you want to work you can decide if you want to go away uh if you hustle you can you, know, you control how much you're making and yeah if you do get a sale and you get 20 grand out of it it's like boom that feels like you've actually done something rather than busting your butt for five dollars an hour or whatever so i think you'll enjoy it but yeah, you know, the other thing i was going to say is that it's, it's not a bad thing to say you tried curating and, you know, and then maybe you changed a bit and maybe the career changed a bit and now you're trying something else and there's new ways to do real estate now with technology. So I think people can always change and adapt. And I should sort of embrace this myself too, just because I'm like, oh I should have done this 20 years ago. Well, maybe that wasn't possible 20 years ago, even doing conversations like this wasn't possible until recently. Um, so yeah, it's totally cool to decide, Hey, I want to try something else now and, and and also what was it oh yeah this i think it's rachel hollis some entrepreneur podcaster she talks about how she started off uh just doing a cooking blog or something but then people were so interested in how she was making money with her blog and all this she she now teaches people how to run their own businesses online and so she didn't know what her path was going to be you just have to start doing something and yeah who knows where the real estate business will take you or it'll be fun too because you'll be meeting so many new people maybe somebody will say hey um I, you know, I'm a rich, wealthy patron, I have my own museum, I want you to come curate it, or, 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 hey, let's team up and do something, who knows. So, yeah, every day. Yeah,
1: it's just, I, think that'll be, I think that's cool. And I, I, I want to mirror that back to you that it sounds like, I mean, I've had plenty of things that I've thought, oh, I wish I, I could have, I should have, you know, this would have been great. But it's not, and it sounds like you've had some of those, too. But you're doing a thing now that seems interesting to you exciting fun that could lead in as many directions as there are as people who you talk to who have 10 directions each person you know um and it aligns with your long-term goals so i think that's great and that's exciting and fruit will come of all these interviews for sure
0: yeah and, and and even if it doesn't what i like about it is that i just like talking to people um
1: well that's one of the fruits
0: yeah, exactly. So yeah, even if it doesn't make money or whatever, it's like, you know, what I, I this gives me an excuse to talk to people I wouldn't otherwise, you know, or, well, I guess I could be doing the, you know, the lunch club thing and, and meeting, chatting anyways, but this gives me recording conversations like this also allows me to talk to people, but also make content out of it. I was on a, a plane to Israel five or six years ago, and I was, you know, I had a job, so I'm like, I'm going to fly first class so I can sleep well on the plane, everything and the girl behind me looked familiar and i googled her and i'm like oh my god it's par Raffaele used to be like supermodel leonardo dicaprio's ex girlfriend and i texted a friend and he's like oh she was just on the howard stern show and i told myself ugh when i get back to toronto i've got to have a got to start my own podcast or something so my own show so that next time i meet a supermodel or anyone interesting i can be like here's my card um you got to come on my show and so now i've i've got my little show uh so that's, yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing. I can't remember. Uh, oh yeah. And then also just speaking of Israel, I just saw in the, a tweet today that there was a 21 year old kid that uh, in the army and they were doing like an arrest and he got hit by a rock in the head and, uh, and died. So it's like, and he's 21. It was his father's only son. And, and, uh, and so it just makes you realize as much as you're like, Oh, I should have done this 20 years ago. Not everybody gets more time. You could be 21 and get killed or, or that famous YouTuber girl who had uh, cystic fibrosis, I think, and just died at like 20 and stuff. So um, yeah, you can't just keep going back and and wishing you were that age. It's like, you never know. Everybody's got a different path. So you just got to enjoy each day. And I think my dream will be to be like uh, Bill Maher. He's been sitting in his backyard doing his uh, show every day. And it just looks so nice with his nice nature. And he's telling his jokes. And that's why I thought, you know, if I'm on the porch, I'm kind of like Bill Maher. But I think I gotta be in LA. I gotta be in LA where it's warmer. And actually, yeah. just, uh, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't. If people are watching this, they noticed me moving. I just was. You were cutting out, so I didn't know if it was your internet or my internet. So I just came inside and I'm uh, closer to the modem. But I'm just sitting upstairs near my dad's bedroom on the floor here. But that's what I can do, right? I, I feel like. My computer's so old and slow now that it's hard to record and it's also there's no Wi-Fi in the basement and I haven't bought Wi-Fi in the basement yet. Uh, but I feel like, you know what, I can do this just on my phone with my headphones and the little mic because I was so worried about how was I going to record it. And I was also looking at um, there's something called Squadcast uh, where uh, yeah, my, actually, I'll share a link to that. I have an affiliate Great. link for it, uh, but it's uh, in, in the description below. But uh, they record you on your end and on my end, and then you get a mix of the sound. So it sounds like we were in the same room a bit. So whereas with Skype, when you're recording it, it just um, you know it's recording online, so it's not perfect sound. But Squadcast is working on the ability to record the uh, the video. Um, but they don't have it yet. Although you can see each other. It just won't make the video of it. So you could technically film the laptop. Anyways, I overthink all that stuff. And i realize, realized, you know what? Just record in Skype. I know how to do it. I get a little video I can put it on YouTube. I can take the audio, put it on a podcast. And I don't think it has to be the perfect sound. Um, I think if people are interested in it, they'll they'll get it, they'll enjoy it. And uh, and yeah, so just my message to everyone is just do it. Just start today and just bang this stuff out and you can keep changing it and adapting it. And, you know, if, if this show becomes huge and I'm making... $75,000 per show or whatever Joe Rogan's making, maybe he's making more than that. It's something crazy. Uh, then sure. I'll build a home studio in Santa Monica and people can come visit me there or, or yeah, oh, Barack, sure. Barack Obama can come to my garage like he did for Mark Marin. and Jennifer Lawrence. She's very welcome. That would be my dream interview. <laughs> oh, and actually that, that takes me back to what I was going to say at the very beginning, when you were saying you're a curator, I think she married some kind of art gallery curator or something, some guy she met in New York. Mm,
1: Yeah. She married a, he's a director. He was a director at a contemporary art gallery, um, a very big one, well-known one. Um, So yeah, she married like the commercial art version of me, of like my, what I would do. Um, Wow. There's a, there's a bit of this trend recently of like, celebrity um, women uh, Chloe Sevigny also has I don't think they're married but it's just had a baby with um, a similar kind of a director at a contemporary art gallery it's just a weird like go get yourself like a curator boy man person um, for these some of these celebrities and I mean I'm sure that you know if they got married they love each other and are having I hope a nice union no matter what but um there was a bit of a like go get a curator in vogue really uh, which is really bizarre and i had a moment where i was like when am i gonna find like my celebrity woman but um i'm not the kind of person who moved wanted to ever live in or move to new york for work so forget about it um i was going to say something about oh i think a potential title for something could be closer to the modem. I liked when you said that, you said I'm closer to the modem.
0: <laughs> ah, that's not a bad idea. Closer to
1: the modem, closer to the modem.
0: And then maybe I could uh, make my stage name, the modem. And then it would like fit. Cause I was just on my walk. Or, d- just or now. like
1: DSL or something.
0: Closer
1: like, to, the,
0: like, to the modem. With DSL. DS. So, yeah that sounds kind of like a rapper name i keep thinking like whatever name i come up with i'm like oh i should then i gotta make sure it's not taken on instagram but everything's taken on instagram somebody has i just checked before this, like at spotlight but they're not posting anything and somebody has at spark and you know spark.com's taken but even sting just has at official sting so i don't think you can choose your name based on you know what what instagram word has been taken already because then you'll never never get anything um but that's just blowing my mind that you okay, so here's the modem. we're right now we're right beside it. so there's no excuse now. yeah you know, um, it's
1: like Zach galhanacus is between two ferns
0: right, right right close, and here's close a close to the modem. that's yeah, not bad. I was gonna originally call my show like at my old condo like in the closet or whatever because I was gonna record it in the closet, but that sounds like a whole different thing. Um, this is blowing my mind though that there was a celebrities marrying curators thing like I didn't I just thought it happened to be that Jennifer Lawrence, like, oh, you know, whoever she, I don't know how she met that guy, met him on the street or something, and then happened to be this. But if she was seeking him out, maybe I could still become a curator. Because that's my dream. I always, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, I, you know, I wanted to become a celebrity on my own, but I'm realized that's not going to happen. That's too hard. Um, I just want to be that guy. Where he's like, what? Like, kind of like a Notting Hill thing where like Julia Roberts discovers Hugh Grant and he's a bookseller. Or like even Jessica Alba just married, um you know random pa on set i'm like ah but but also like tom green is a he's from ottawa he was doing community cable shows like i was at the same time and he went and married drew barrymore he went to la but he did get on mtv you sort of have to get somehow i don't know man i still have hopes for jennifer lawrence i was at a press conference a couple years ago i had a media pass and she was there with her old boyfriend uh the director guy. And I sat there for 20 minutes trying to come up with a great question. And I like, just didn't get one in time. And I'm like, ah, that was my chance. Cause she would have been like, Hey, you're really funny. And now she's met this other guy, but I guess I can still get her on the rebound. Like, um, cause I, I just, I don't know. On all the talk shows, she talked about how she had a crush on Woody Allen and she had a crush on Larry David. And I'm like, that's then she would like me. Ah, I don't know, man, but but it, everybody, <laughs> I don't know, if Woody, I don't like know if Woody
1: Allen is a good person to be.
0: Yeah, no, that's deeply not aligned,
1: uh, deeply aligned with right now. But uh, no, that's not what you were saying. But
0: yeah, I mean, when I was younger, or when I was like 12 or something, the, the parents of other kids at school were like, "Hey, you're like Woody Allen." I'm like, "Who's Woody Allen?" And then in university, I saw his movies. I'm like, "Oh my God, I am Woody Allen." And I actually looked like him too. Um, yeah, no, I can't reference him anymore, so I gotta, I gotta come up with other stuff. Although, I, maybe she never mentioned Woody. Yet. I feel like she did, but definitely, she said she had a crush on Larry David. Because um, uh, yeah, she's kind of well. Obviously, she's always liked the whatever. Now she likes, I was going to say older guys, but now she likes the curator, Ugh, whatever. Uh, I'll keep working on it. Maybe I keep thinking that's the other reason. If I do a show like this, I feel like, you know, the more you get out there, the more likely somebody who's like, you know, your special, someone is going to be like, Oh, Hey, I just, saw, you know, they'll notice you. Like my last girlfriend, she's read a couple articles about me in the paper and decided to contact me. And that so I, I feel like you got to be out there to, how, how did you meet uh, your wife? I guess we can, we can end with that story unless you don't really want to say. Sure. Um,
1: We met on the internet. Uh, We met at OkCupid, which is, you know, one of the bigger, I guess, dating sites Yeah. and had all this weird stuff in common. Like we went to the same very small summer camp in Vermont when we were kids. We weren't there at the same time, but we both went there. Um, Her great aunt used to teach at the school I went to growing up. And then we had some other family friends in common. So we didn't know each other, but we had these sort of touch points that made it really much easier to kind of lay down an initial um, trust um, and an initial sort of, I understand you as a, as a person or as, as a person in the world. Um, but yeah, we met online, which is cool. I've done a lot of online dating, which at times was when i was in graduate school in california was like go on like five or six dates a week sometimes and none of them were particularly fulfilling or then like the ones you really wanted the, the dates you really liked that you had like i had a great time tonight you know the next day this the woman was like eh, i not interested you know or the ones and then the, <laughs> there were a few times when it lined up and that was fun but um it was hard. It became more of a, like a thing to do than an actual pursuit of a meaningful relationship. The less you're looking, the sooner things come. It seems to me, that's always the way it goes.
0: Yeah. And that's what they say. Uh, The problem is, as you get older, yeah, (laughs) it's, you feel like time's running out and and it's, it's harder to not look and just live your life kind of thing. But the best girlfriends I ever did have were, you know, the very first girl in university. And it's like, oh, why did I break up with her for no reason? You just think, oh, I'll see what else is out there. I think I actually realized I just hurt myself for no reason. I I push myself away from things I like. I don't know why. Uh, But then, yeah, over the years, I, I used to meet people at bars, but then online as well. Hello! Brief intermission here to let you know that there's an edit point here. Normally, I like the podcast to run in its full, raw form, so you're getting everything, but I've decided to edit out an eight-minute discussion about my frustrations over online dating and the dating apps and the dating sites, and so there is a little fast-forward we're going to do here, uh, and that's why it's July 12th, actually, which is two months after I recorded the original podcast. It's because I'm like, ugh, I've got to sit down and find that part to edit. And I also had to revoice the the very beginning, because the Skype audio cut out, so there's, you know, my voice sounds a little different at the beginning, you might have noticed. But anyways, maybe I'll play the whole thing for you another time. You can message me if you really want to hear it. Uh, but yeah, now we're just going to skip forward eight minutes, and back to the discussion. But the best people I've ever met were either in university or in bars. Uh, one girl I met on J-Date, she was good. And then this other girl... I think it was Lava Life. She she was just doing research for a movie she was writing, and then she liked my profile. and So she signed up just so she could write to me, and we wound up making movies together. And then my last girlfriend, she read an article about me in the paper, about eco-dating, and then she's like, oh, he's just looking for dating. But then a year later, she saw another article about me in the paper. I would pick up Litter, and two of her friends sent it to her. She's like, yeah, okay, I better email this guy. And so we wound up dating. And I probably should have just married her and had kids with her, but oh, well. You never know what's going to happen. I've spent the past couple of weeks contacting all my old high school and university friends because I regret not spending 30 years talking to them. And yeah, mm-hmm. some of them never mm-hmm. never some of them never had kids. Some of them are getting a divorce now. Uh, some of them are having new kids now. So it's everybody's, you know, got a different path. Not everybody's got the perfect life where they got married at 20 and they've lived this beautiful life and now they have grandkids and whatever. So who knows? Just got to take it day by day half of those people
1: are unhappy and bored anyway, you know?
0: Well, that's what so. everybody tells me. Actually, I contacted my old, uh, another old girlfriend that I had dated briefly. And then this other guy in my comedy troupe wound up dating her. And, and she's like, yeah, she's got a couple of grown kids, but I think they've got special needs. And she's like, ugh, and I'm like, some people, you know, I've met people lately that are younger than me who have, or I met a woman who's got grandkids and, and she's like, yeah, no, no, I told them not no kids for like 15 years. And, yeah, so she's yeah she what did she say? She was common law for years, and now she's divorced. So they, yeah, I think even everybody says the grass is greener. Like my old my old uh, yeah, an an old best friend of mine was like, oh, I envy you. Like he's got a couple of new kids, and he's like, but if I didn't have the wife and kids, I could be playing poker, I could be playing, yeah, you know, playing hockey, I could be uh, doing all this stuff. So every the grass is always greener, and I'm sure if I'd gotten married 20 years ago. And I was where I am now. I'd be like, "Oh, I could have been on Saturday Night Live, and it's all because I got married and had kids, and and uh, and uh, you know, whatever." So, you never, you never know. But I think everywhere there's a pair, like a an alternate path where it's worse than you know. I could have gotten hit by a bus 20 years ago if I had done something <laughs> different or, or whatever. Yeah, right?
1: you so. get hit by a bus tomorrow.
0: Exactly
1: <laughs> I have one. This is all reminding me of one. It's slightly misplaced, but. Um, Story about fame/slash non-fame, which is that it comes from anywhere and nowhere and all angles, and you never know. And that I got a call one day from a casting agency while I was assistant curator at a museum, and they were like, We are really interested in talking to you because we have a role that we think you might be really good at, or like, we're just interested to hear if you're interested in this. And I called back and I was like, I don't know who you are. I thought it was spam. I don't know who you are, why you're calling me, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say because it's. And they sounded legit. And then I looked up the agency and the person, and they were real. And they were like, We are looking. We're casting for queer eye, <laughs> and we um the next queer eye is gonna have like an art guy, like an art person, and we think that you'd be a perfect person to try out this. And what I guess what I didn't say is that they first didn't tell me it was your eye, but they were like casting for an all male TV show that has six guys that do different things. And (laughs) the one, the one one that we like for you is, is to be the art kind of culture, uh, cultural entrepreneur um, representative. And I was like, cool, let's do it. And, um, and she was like, okay, there's one thing are you gay <laughs> i was like is it really a prerequisite and she was like yes yeah, because it's a queer eye so you never know like when some weird shit's gonna get you're gonna get a weird call but i had this moment where i was like oh i had my opportunity to maybe be famous or do something really cool and bizarre and in public life but oh well i just couldn't do it for this one little detail
0: Oh, I thought you meant they were looking like the, the queer eyes were going to make you over. But they were looking for you to be one of the queer eyes.
1: Yeah. They were like, oh, they found me online and they're like, oh, this guy is interesting. He's totally gay. And let's get him cast for this show.
0: <laughs> and then they oh. talked to
1: me and they're like, they're like, oh, you're not gay, though. This sucks.
0: <laughs> wow. And it, I mean, it seems like that should be illegal like to just not let you do something because of that. Kind of. I think they, um,
1: she was much more sensitive about the, you know, the language and why. And but I do appreciate that if I was on the show and wasn't, then I would be basically playing. It would be offensive for me to be pretending just so I could get this role, when there's plenty of actually gay guys or queer guys rather. I don't know how they. I don't know so much about the show, but who are else? as interesting or as culturally whatever as i may be
0: yeah no they wouldn't be in short supply for for gay curators or whatever uh wow were you tempted though to go yeah sure gay whatever
1: yeah i was like can i just pretend and she was like no because you told me i can't like
0: <laughs> ah see that's the thing if you had just said yes what are they going to do we need to see you have sex with a man to prove it like what do you do yeah but that would but it would have been like the movie Tootsie. At some point, you would have had to reveal yourself, or something like you know, uh, wow. Yeah, can you carry on
1: on the lie ten years later? I'm like, I've changed my identity back in straight now. I, I, I didn't want to get into all that crap. Nor, I mean, I was just a casting call, right? They probably had fifteen
0: other, twenty other people. So who knows? Would be fascinating, though. Like, uh, like it would be a good, like, it would be a good movie. The story of that, and then you know, of course. Like in Tootsie, you'd meet a woman, and you're like, I'm in love with this woman now, but you can't because you have to be gay. And also, I guess it would ruin your ability to meet women, because they'd all assume you were gay, because you're saying you're gay. Oh, it would be a whole thing. Hello, me again. It's the day after I was editing uh, the other part out, and I'm like, "Uh, you know what, I'm going to edit another part out, because... I don't know, jokes and sarcasm, they don't seem to come across very well these days. So we're going to skip ahead a minute and 20 seconds and back to the podcast. But you do have kind of a, a Christian Bale look. I would cast you in something. Uh, well, thank you. That's my yeah, hair uh,
1: inspiration right now. The Batman, Christian Bale Batman hair.
0: Oh, yeah, or uh, or American Psycho, too. That's have you seen that before? No, oh, I have. <laughs> huh. Cool. Well, maybe you could be my... Um, uh, did you say that's the bad Christian Bale?
1: I mean, yeah, he's he's a
0: horrible human being, but all right. it's,
1: he did good. He did a good job.
0: Right. Also, another lesson for people, don't be a serial killer, people. That's a bad thing. Uh, I'm not condoning that at all as well. That was shot in Toronto, though. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think at the end there, like his work is kind of the TD towers near where I used to live and stuff. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, he's doing all right for himself. Huh. Maybe he'll come on my show sometime. Um, uh, but in the meantime, you could be my, maybe you could be my regular, uh, curation correspondent and I'll be like, Hey, we've, oh, and that was my last question. What, like a, a Will Brown, like, how did you come up with that name?
1: So, um, my first name is Alexander and I've always gone by Will. My family does this thing where we go by our middle name, which I don't know why, but, um, that's why I've always gone by Will, but I, in graduate school towards the end of graduate school this group um I think i maybe had already started calling myself a will just because I kind of liked it but this group of artists took over a space an art space that I had been uh working at prior and the art space I was working at closed is a small gallery project space and they were like hey can we there were three artists sort of curators and they were like, we're starting this like conceptual project. And uh, we like, we, we like you and we really like your name and we want to name the gallery Will Brown. And I was like, okay, cool. Naively. Um, And so they named this gallery, Will Brown partially because I had worked there before, but mostly because they liked my name and because there was a mayor uh, Willie Brown was a sort of famous mayor in San Francisco. This is in San Francisco. Um, and the name Will Brown is extremely common. I mean, they're two very common names. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So they had, they were into this whole thing about the three of them were three people, but they were one person. And it was this whole kind of rigmarole about operating and creating an identity through three people as one person, one artist, one curator, which was interesting. And they did some great, cool projects, but, it was helpful to me to have to attach my first name initial to my name as a professional to distinguish, um, from this a little bit. And, but it's funny, I still get messages from people sometimes on Instagram. They're like, are you the, the real, are you real Will Brown? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Will Brown. That was, that's me. And I'll tell you this funny little story about it, but they're like, and, I, and after a couple of years, I just started taking credit for the stuff they were doing people were like they were like oh i loved your project and i was like yeah it was really fun and it was really interesting to like pretend to be you know and they were like yeah cool i don't i don't live there anymore right and i don't talk to those people so much but there was a period where i just said like screw it i'm just gonna pretend that that's my art because they took my name and there was no formal agreement (laughs) around anything
0: Totally, that seems like, yeah, I mean, you're totally, ju- I mean, you are Will Brown, and of the name, so, yeah, so now, see, now you do, you didn't have to be the gay, queer, eye fake gay guy, now you've got your own sort of pseudo-secret fake life, so it all came around, that's kind of cool. I would think they, you should have been, like, the, the straight guy, it could have been queer eye and the straight guy, I'm gonna pitch yeah. that on that, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Cool. And you're not, so yeah, people say, are you the Will Brown? No, I'm a Will Brown. See, it, it's, it fits that way too. Exactly. It's also, and it's a good little conceptual twist there. Yeah, yeah. Very, very deep. Very perfect for an artist. Cool. And that's, yeah, that's a good, yeah. Because I mean, there's going to be, like, yeah, there was a Whitney Brown, the Signer at Live guy. Michael you know Michael Fox, there was too many, so he was gonna be Michael A. Fox because that was his real middle initial, but then he became Michael J. Fox because he didn't want headlines, like people saying, oh, Michael A. Fox or whatever. And so everybody's, yeah, very very good name, like J.R. Tolkien or something, J.R.R. Good to have an initial, makes you more artistic. Cool, and so if you've noticed, I've been walking around again because my mom turned on the radio in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, that's annoying, so I've come into her little den here. But uh, yeah, we've been talking like an hour and a 20 minutes, I guess, almost, so. That's probably good for this episode. And uh, yeah, uh, well, thanks for talking, A. Will Brown. And uh, usually, you know, if there's a real podcast, I'd be like, and follow my sponsor or whatever. But I'm still working on my sponsors. But I'll put my affiliate links in the uh, in the description below. And uh, and I guess people can look you. At, should I ask if people want to look you? I can put your Instagram in the description if you want to be found or not. I don't know.
1: Sure. I'll, um, I can send that to you over link here um, and yeah thanks for having me or thanks for doing the lunch club talk and turning it into something else nice to meet you it's yeah that. just
0: so um, so so people know there is there is some website called lunch club where they match you with with calls and then yeah so you know sometimes i meet people on instagram to interview and sometimes uh if i'm doing a lunch club i'll say hey do you want to be interviewed and, and record it because you know we if we would have had this conversation and not recorded it it was a fun conversation and then it would be lost, like uh, like in Rudger Hauer when he's given the speech at the end of Blade Runner. It, it, he'd be like, you know, would be lost. All, all these things, these amazing things I've seen, like the... Or Ryan's rising above the moon or whatever. He's like, because he has to die because, I don't know, they're killing all the robots. And he's he's like, all these things will be lost like tears in rain. So I wouldn't want this conversation to disappear like tears. Have you seen the Blade Runner?
1: I don't know if i've seen the full original
0: yeah i don't know i mean there's so many there's so many my dad's got a vhs tape downstairs that i think says director's cut like there was the original then there's the director's there's a million different versions i should probably watch it again because i want to see the new one with uh, ryan gosling but uh he's canadian too and also oh yeah i was going to say earlier like ryan reynolds he married uh or at least he was dating Alanis Morissette and then Scarlett Johansson, and now he's with Blake Lively. So he went through Hollywood as well. And and you know the the one guy in Hollywood that surprises me that gets all the dates, and maybe he's just the one single guy or the one straight guy. What was his name um, from that '70s show? Kind of like the. He's not Asian. What is he? What is he? What is his ethnicity? Like sort of dark hair. You know who I'm talking about? The guy who just for some reason. Oh yeah, his name's like Vladimir or. Oh so no, the... um, Wilmer. Yeah, yeah. Valderrama? Is that who
1: that yeah, is? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he played uh, Fez? Yeah, okay. So Fez, what was Fez supposed to be? Like Indian or something?
1: I think so, but I think he's like South American.
0: Right. Well, he had some kind of exaggerated accent, much like, isn't there a character like that on uh, on The Big Bang? Talks with some crazy accent. Not crazy. I'm going to sound racist no matter what I say. But anyways, for some reason, this, val, you know, Wilmer, Valda, whatever, you, you know, I don't think he's done anything since 70s show. Like, you wouldn't know. I can't even remember his name. But for, I think he's known as this sort of guy that's been dating all the hottest starlets. And they're like, how did that happen? But I don't know. Maybe it's because every actor in Hollywood is gay. I mean, because why not? Because they're all gay in feeder school. Every everyone. But then suddenly... In Hollywood, nobody is. It's like really. Anyways, that's my uh, that's my rant about that. When you that. live
1: in a when your professional um, uh, capacity is pretending to be other people, you may be any number of identities, and maybe you know who knows how. It's a that's a world that I. I met Joaquin Phoenix once, and I was I wanted to ask him a million questions about how weird it is to play all these roles so seriously and then I was like you know what I can't imagine what's going on in that guy's mind sometimes about being other people and how that informs your own sense of self and I don't know seems strange it
0: it probably does affect you because they say just the simple act of like smiling actually tricks your body into being happy so you're supposed to do that or Tony Robbins talks a lot about that like just change the way you stand and feel and whatever so if you have to fake doing something for three months and get into this thing, it would probably mess with your head. Like uh, what I was, uh, saw some voice audition that I had to do today that I was mentioning yesterday to my dad about, they were looking for somebody to imitate Heath Ledger's Joker for some toys, like a doll that speaks or something. And my dad's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Isn't he, uh... I, I, I don't know. Somehow he was mi- mixing a couple of jokers. Cause he was like, isn't he dead? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's the dead one. Um, I still haven't seen that. He's like, you haven't. And I'm like, no, that was The Dark Knight. He's like, "No, it's called Joker." I'm like, "No, Joker's the new one. That's Joaquin Phoenix. He's alive. Heath Ledger played the Joker like 10 years ago. He's dead." What? So, I I just gave up trying to explain it to him. But uh, but I haven't seen either one. So, who am I? I have, uh, I
1: have not seen not seen the new one. I'm a little afraid of it, not from a like scary movie way, but in a like uh, just I don't know, interpersonally seems very very dark and yeah, yeah. I'm ready for
0: that. Yeah, I know. I can't. Uh, it's funny. There's all this stuff that I used to love. Like, you, if you'd asked me a few years ago, what music do I like? Oh, I love Coldplay. I love, you know, the, the stuff I listened to in, in the university dorm with my first girlfriend. It would be Enya and Sarah McLachlan, all these depressing things while I'm looking up at glow in the dark stars on the ceiling. But none of that can I handle now because it just would destroy me being like, oh, I wish I was there and I'm not with this person and all of mm-hmm. that. So I don't even know if I could handle a. A joker right now but maybe at some point once i'm dating jennifer lawrence that'll be like okay i'm in a stable place now i can go watch some dark stuff um uh, like that movie mother that she was in with whoever the director is that she was dating briefly uh, uh what is his name i don't know uh i feel like he was he was doing well with that i got to become a director or a curator clearly all right well that's good for now and uh yeah well uh, thanks for being on my show talk to you later